Greetings from Bratislava, Magdeburg and Berlin. I'm David. And I'm Mark and you are listening to the Check Your Facts podcast. So, David, how was your week? I was in the office all, all week. How about you? It's been a week, exciting week so far, actually. I've been in Vienna for a conference, uh, which is called the European Newspaper Congress. Uh, you might see there the, the, the word newspaper <laughs> still in it. <laughs> and uh, what is funny, actually, and I didn't know it before I get got there, two people from the Slack community, uh, which uh, where, where this podcast started, the Digital Journalism Rocks uh, Slack community were there. So the founder, Lina Tim, was speaking there. And also Martin Hoffman was uh, talking there about his app, uh, Resi. It was a three days conference and uh, there you could feel the nostalgia uh, for the, the printed paper. And everyone, like every second speaker said that print is not dead. And then Lena Tim came and she said, I'm sorry guys, print is dead. And everyone was just like furious at her. So that happened to me. What is, what is your conclusion? Is print dead? I was talking a lot about that with my colleagues. So once I got back uh, to Bratislava, uh, uh, well, If, if you say in general, I would say uh, print as in like printed newspaper, obviously printed books are doing fine. Printed uh, uh, newspaper, not that much. And if we would talk about like some premium print, like uh, magazines or uh, like uh, Sunday newspapers, I would say there there is still some uh, years for them to... <laughs> to die and they're not dead what do you think oh, it's a tough question i mean i have loads of stickers from lena that say uh i don't know like print is alive and then print is like crossed through and digital journalism is written over it so <laughs> basically as we are in the digital journalism rocks community i would say digital journalism is the future but i don't know if print is dead um maybe Like working in offices with uh, one like editorial center is kind of old-fashioned and i think that's what what print is about like working together on one paper maybe that's not that's not the future but i don't know if like the distribution way as in paper is that i i think so yes why would you buy loads of printed paper and read it and throw it away at the end of the day in 2017. So, so what do you think does our guest who we have today read still print paper or he's into digital? I know him for some years now and I would guess that he's a completely digital guy. But let's ask him. Welcome yeah. to the podcast, Tobias Schwarz. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, Tobias, uh, I don't know if some of the guys listening to the podcast know about your like, recent project like before what you're doing now but um, would you do us the honor to introduce yourself and tell us uh, who you are where you're from uh, what you do what you did before and how you came across digital journalism and like digital media well so the next 30 minutes are mine i see <laughs> so, 
My name is Tobias, and um, today I'm I'm the co-working manager of the St. Oberts here in Berlin. But before uh, that, I was for around three years uh, the chief and editor of the German blog Netzpiloten.de, which uh, was one of the first German-speaking blogs in the internet from from 1998. Um, it's like a dinosaur of the German uh, blog scene, and. Um, yeah, before that, I studied political science. I, uh, as a student, uh, I published my first articles uh, for Chip.de, which is a Munich-based um, uh, online magazine about uh, technology. And uh, I, I started blogging. Um, you, you can say for one reason, um, Chip didn't publish my name under my articles. And... This was really annoying, and this surprised me because I have never felt something like this before. But this is really the reason why I started blogging, and uh, I wrote for several uh, German-speaking blogs, and uh, I also worked for Tumblr.com for some months. And um, yeah, then I got the offer to uh, be chief editor of Netzpiloten.de. And yeah, uh, do I read? No, I, I don't read on print anymore. But sometimes in a very weak moment, uh, I buy printed newspapers and magazines for 50 euros or so. And then I put them next uh, into our bathroom here. And sometimes I read them. <laughs> That's funny. So how was how was the internet back in 1998? I don't I, I don't know. My first computer with internet access was, I think, around that time, like 1999, 2000, 2001. But I remember I didn't actually spend any time on, like, reading news. It was more like online gaming and chat rooms. The, the interesting thing is netspiloten.de. I mean, this was a time before we had uh, big search engines. Yeah, So what netspiloten.de did, um, they had a tool with like an like a RSS reader in a flight mode. So you could fly through the internet, visited websites, and after 20 seconds, if you didn't click on stop, you uh, went to the next website. So in 1998, you could read everything that was new written uh, in one morning <laughs> in, in German language. Yeah? Internet wasn't so big. And I mean, this was like, uh, yeah. So Netzpiloten, they should have invented Flipboard, I would say, but they didn't, which is why they are not so big anymore. But um, they really had a newsroom with several editors just writing about what you should visit if you go online. Because nobody know what to do on the internet at the end of the 90s, eh? at least in Germany. Yeah, nowadays nobody knows how to do anything without the internet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you told us uh, in the introduction that you are a co-working manager. And if you're not very familiar with the, with the word co-working, uh, I think one would say, ah, that's, isn't it uh, when you go into Starbucks, buy a coffee and put your laptop on a table and start working isn't that co-working don't don't blame me for the question i know the answer but i think it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a very good uh, point of view on it uh, because co-working um, comes from the coffee house culture so to to see what happens at starbucks is like um, yeah co-working be, uh, 
is like the next step yeah so uh, people people work some people work from home yeah uh, in the home office and uh, th this is a nice place it gives us uh, freedom and uh, other people like to go to to the office because uh, this place gives us structure it's a place where we do our work and when we leave we let the work behind us and other people like to work from cafes because uh, Yeah, uh, coffee is mostly very great uh, uh, there. And uh, on the other hand, cool people are sitting there. So uh, you're looking for the access to the community. And um, in this line, co-working spaces are kind of the fourth place of work, uh, where all the advantages of the other three places are combined. Yeah? It gives you freedom, uh, structure, but also community, and is a place dedicated to work yeah because in a cafe it can be uh, sometimes very loud and not everybody can work in this environment um, on the other hand some people can't work at home because they would do the dishes first before they could focus on work yeah and this is uh, why co-working spaces uh, developed um, around 12 years ago and they, they came out of the uh, coffee house oh david have you ever been to a co-working space or have you ever worked somewhere else except of at home or in the office actually yes uh last year i was on a you can say like a work exchange through the uh, slovak u.s embassy uh the the and the u.s department and i was um having an internship for 10 days at this uh, philadelphia based um you can say media startup they are called billypen.com And they actually have the newsroom inside a co-working space in Philadelphia. And it was quite refreshing to work there for like 10 days. And how about your, your company? Do they encourage you to work someplace else? Because that's what I always struggle with. I, I have to be at the office, you know. They want me to, or they, 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 I need to be at the office because of several reasons, like technical reasons, because I can only use the tools at the office, or I have to be there because I have to go to meetings and so on and so on. Like that's the struggles in my work life. How about yours? Uh, it's pretty much the same. It's it's much better for me to be here in the newsroom as um, kind of a support for the newsroom. Uh, when something goes wrong, I, have, I, I run and talk to the developers. But I can manage if, if I want to have like a few days um, outside uh, the newsroom uh, i'm allowed to do that uh, i'm obviously have, i obviously have to be online but i feel i even feel better to be embedded in the newsroom and like i work with the co-workers because um, the exchange of the ideas which ca come at the moment are like better to discuss sometimes uh, that way yeah to be as what what could i tell my boss what advantages do co-working have um, compared to being in the office and how could I convince him <laughs> or her to just to say I, I want I want to be in Berlin at St. Oberholz and next week I want to be in Leipzig or somewhere else. I can tell you how I did it. Um, I, I just left. So Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, d I didn't tell my, my boss about it, but I went on a two-month journey through Europe, uh, worked as, as a chief and editor uh, from from somewhere else. So uh, I went to a co-working space every day for eight weeks. And they didn't notice that I wasn't in Berlin anymore for seven weeks. Because oh, you're kidding I me. Still, 
No, I, I'm not kidding you. It, it actually happened two years ago. So uh, because I did my work, yeah. Um, so Netzpiloten are located in Hamburg, and I lived in Berlin. So I established over two years um, procedures and rules uh, how uh, to, to work with my newsroom in Hamburg. And they always thought I'm sitting in Berlin, um, but I wasn't. I, I went to Barcelona and I traveled from Barcelona to Stockholm. And um, yeah, what they learned is that they were paying me for what I did, not from where I did it. And this was a big lecture for them. Um, but actually, I mean, you, you can't start right now. You can't leave now. But um, if you have um, procedures, uh, workflows uh, that are um, uh, giving you the possibility to do remote work, then you actually should just leave and, and just show it to them. And uh, it changed how Netzpiloten were thinking about remote work. Um, but on the other hand, I, I, I fallen in love with co-working, so I quit my job. Um, this was a disadvantage for them. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, actually, really, Mark, j just just leave. I know Magdeburg can be a beautiful town in uh, summer, but <laughs> you should leave now. Yeah, so when this hangout is over. I would like to see you check in at the central station, leaving somewhere else. <laughs> okay. Uh, now you giving me the orders. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, that's quite interesting uh, because I oh, like traveling through Europe and still working is a concept I would have never thought of because what you said, uh, like in the introduction, like in the definition is the advantage of an office is that you can leave your work behind. And I don't know how that kind of how that works when you're like always traveling and always working like how how do you switch off just just do you, do you just switch off your laptop and that's it or yeah actually i do i mean it's, it's a very um a personal thing if you can do this or not yeah um yeah. On, on the one hand uh, um, david told he he needs a contact to his team yeah um I had to stay in contact with my team too, but in my um, evaluation, the, uh, my team told me that they have the feeling I'm always standing next to them, and this just using chat apps and emails. Yeah, so how you communicate with a team, you have to do it in a very special way, and I'm pretty sure not everybody can do it. On the other hand, not everybody would like to work this way, so it really depends on if you're the kind of person for this um for example some people can't work when it's too quiet so th there's a really nice website coffeetivity.com where you can play the uh, sounds of cafes from all over the world so that it's not too quiet wherever you are and this shows that some people really need this yeah and um but most important thing really is uh, you you have to establish um rules workflows yeah and if you do this and if everybody's okay with this, then it can actually work. And really, it's, it's, I, I can't describe it to you, but uh, you have to see it yourself. If you really shut off your laptop at, I don't know, 6 p.m., yeah, and you're sitting on the beach at Barcelona, it's a totally different feeling than doing it here in Berlin or in Magdeburg. You relax so much more. Okay. David, what do you think? I mean, I'm I can be a workaholic, and I know most of the guys in the digital journalism rocks community uh, are as well because they just don't find the off switch. 
how about you can you imagine like yeah, yeah ex just actually, moving your work actually funny thing when tobias just told that he uh, did this um, evolution in his like previous work that he like i i, I guess uh, you you all jumped on like a I'm not saying tighter, but like maybe a, a pretty pretty scheduled like workflow. You all communicated via chat apps, and I, I just realized I'm doing this with with the team I'm working now. And just the other day, they didn't really notice I wasn't here. <laughs> so maybe I'm getting there. But like, on the other hand, um, the more we to uh, communicate digital, uh, on the other, the more important gets personal meetings. Yeah. So to do uh, to talk about ideas, to develop things, it's always important to meet your team. Yeah. So um, when I did this travel, I didn't saw my team, but uh, normally I had the rule at least one time a month I went to Hamburg to talk to them in person, because you can do so many things so much quicker talking face to face but other kind of work especially creativity stuff you can do alone so much better there was a study which said uh, for creativity just like you said it is best if you do it like alone if you're not um, interrupted by other people and then there was an, another study i i read which said quite the opposite yeah It depends on the people, I guess. Yeah. So you know, from brainstorming, yeah. If you do a brainstorming session, um, everybody you think is shaped by the thing somebody said before you. Yeah. So the best thing to do brainstorming is let everybody work on his own stuff and then come together with their own results, but not discuss it together because then you're only talking about maybe one or two ideas. And they're like, yeah, they're not very strong at the end. And and this was for me, or I believe this, or I noticed this myself in teamwork, which is why I, I mean, you're a journalist too. Um, I like to write my articles on my own. I can discuss it later with an editor, but the first version has to be from me without any other influence i think we came across the concept of like of newsrooms by uh and versus like um, bureaus for yourself or offices for yourself uh, quite often in this podcast and I, i don't know what what the solution is maybe there is no solution for everyone i mean that's what you were saying co-working isn't for everyone right at the end yes uh, so uh, perhaps um Uh, yeah, do remote work, do your stuff somewhere else, but uh, then send uh, your work to, to your colleagues that they can work with it, that they can uh, editing it. But uh, for other uh, uh, tasks, come together. Yeah. So um, there's a place for doing things. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't do everything everywhere, but uh, I guess there can be dedicated places for a special task and writing articles you can do it in a co-working space in in a town you like more than where your newsroom is located and but on the other hand go to your newsroom to talk to your colleagues about um, next steps in developing a snapshot strategy or whatever Tobias, what, what do you think about the big digital companies like facebook and google which are doing uh, kind of i'm not saying the opposite but uh, they're actually 
making the workspace so much comfortable and good for the people so that they are they want to go to work and uh, so maybe in a way opposite of what you are saying with the with the co-working yes but um so i would talk about two points here one is um every every workplace in such a company or even every co-working space is very cool yeah but that doesn't mean that it's it is the right working place for yourself, for your own personality. Yeah, if you are an employee, you can't choose where you work. Yeah, because your your company has a headquarters, an office where they want you to be. And um, so, and second thing is, um, especially uh, if you talk about Facebook and Google, they are from a different working culture. Yeah, so um, they are, like to hire young people that uh, are not so. Um, independent because they didn't have the experience yeah they, they went to uh, high school in the u.s so they lived at home and then they went to college and colleges in the united states are very different to universities in europe yeah so if a european journalist starting to work for a big newspaper perhaps when he's 23 or 24 uh, he lived perhaps four or five years on its own doing his own dirty clothes, uh, the dishes, yeah, mm -hmm. know what to do when uh, um, something is broken at home. And U.S. people are mostly not so independent when it comes to to daily stuff. Yeah? And this is why I, I think, I, I, think I, I read this too, and uh, um, I, I get it what the author wanted to tell me was that, that uh, workplaces at Facebook and Google are more like big playgrounds. And for me, really, it would be too shyish to work in such an environment. Perhaps I would like to work at Facebook, can be cool for different stuff. But when I see the offices of Google here in Germany, I, I guess why some people go to the, uh, to the fitness, uh, to, um, to the sports room, but I don't get it why they are going to the playgrounds that they are too. I don't really know if everyone who's listening really knows what a, a co-working space is, except that you said it comes from coffee culture and basically from like, sitting in a coffee and working there. So would you give a very brief explanation? Because we talked about it a lot and I think you can get the idea. But I think, and I know it because we talked about it, um, there are differences what big companies do, what private, um, private co-working uh, managers do. So what is it exactly what a co-working space is? Yeah, it's, it's really hard to, uh, to explain, and the best thing is to visit some co-working spaces if you want to have a, a very good impression. Um, it, you can say that a co-working space is an open space where people can work. So they share infrastructure like table, chairs, uh, Wi-Fi, yeah? uh, even coffee machines. Um, uh, some co-working spaces have team rooms for startups. And um, so in the last 10 years, so co-working exists now for around 12 years, we saw a lot of freelancers and startups working from co-working spaces. Yeah? Mostly because it's hard to afford an own office. And if you do so, then you are alone, you know, just with your colleagues. So you're missing perhaps cool people. Not every colleague is a cool person. Um, or if you're alone, a freelancer, you're looking for company. 
So this is why people joined co-working space in the first place. And what changed in the last year is that companies sending their employees and teams or companies even go to co-working spaces. And this is why because co-working spaces, this, this open space with all those different people that they are, and they're all doing a totally different thing. It's a very creative place. Um, a phenomenon called serendipity happens there. This means um, if you talk with somebody about a problem, they can see a solution that you're not able to see because they have a totally different point of view shaped by their gender, their age, their experience, their origin, where, where, where they're from, what they did before. And this can't happen in a, in a company uh, because... Companies need to hire people that study one thing, perhaps from only some universities or, or from some countries. Yeah? Uh, um, so it's harder to find uh, uh, new solutions if you don't change your thinking, if you don't have an influence. Yeah? And so now we see bigger co-working spaces with bigger corporate teams um, and that uh, real estate companies are using co-working as, uh, you can say, as an operating system for for their buildings. And uh, this makes buildings more valuable and also uh, more interesting to, to be there. Yeah? So I, I'm talking about companies like WeWork and Mindspace. Yeah? They're not actually co-working spaces. They're more service office providers and, and real estate companies. Uh, but it's interesting for companies to be in such places around by other companies, by other people, or even in smaller co-working spaces. It's always with when something cool comes up that there are very big players who see the idea and then think, oh, okay, you can actually make money with it. Um, is this like, I mean, you, you kind of um, said a bit about it but is this happening right now so are there very big players stepping into the game and kind of mixing up or destroying the scene because it is a scene they do and yeah it, it depends on uh, how do you think about what happens right now you can say they destroy what was there before they destroy the the pure co-working scene with all their values and uh, and uh, principles are you perhaps on the other end you can say this is just a development yeah uh, we were right when we said co-working is the future of work Look, now even IBM went to an, uh, WeWork to do co-working. Yeah? Um, but we saw this before. I mean, think about all those skater boys in the 80s with, with their baggy pants. They did it because it was different, and then it got fashion, and then they stopped doing it. Yeah. It's, it's always the same. Um, it's nothing you can stop. It's something you can live with. You can complain about it. You can spend your time uh, in different ways. Um But if somebody's cool, or even if you're making money with it, there will be always somebody doing it too and destroying or doing it different. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of rework and Mindspace, but I totally get what they're doing and why they're doing it and why it's interesting. Yeah, it's just not for me. But that doesn't mean that I'm uh, think that they're destroying something. I mean, I still can run the co-working space in Berlin like I think that I'm doing it right, like it should be, and uh, we, we are still um, doing good business. Yeah, So it seems like the market is big enough for for different ways of how to do co-working, how to organize work today. Did I lead you too far away with my question, David? Or 
And actually, not. It was interesting to 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 hear about this because I was also wondering about the V work, uh, what they are doing. But I wanted to get to uh, a little bit different um, section of the topic of co-working, which is uh, the the future of work. So, um, Tobias, uh, what do you think is the future of work? Because for some, it is robots sitting by by the computer and uh, humans doing nothing. Others see people still working scattered around in their like uh, small home offices. And uh, some of the companies, like uh, you mentioned, the startups, for them it's better to be in uh, co-working spaces because they can help each other. Well, so I'm not somebody who say I know how the future will be like. Yeah? Um, but uh, I, I'm sure about two things. Work will be decentralized and connected. Yeah. So those are two principles. I'm pretty sure that the, there will be the, the uh, fun... Uh, the foundation of how we will work in the future. And if your colleague is a robot or not, I'm not so sure about this yet. Uh, and you hear a lot of uh, stuff about different directions, how it could be. Um, but I'm pretty sure that uh, where you work is not so important anymore in the future. And that you perhaps even only create value in working together with other people from different fields in being connected yeah and i mean this fits very good together yeah uh, when, when i did this travel um i mean on the one hand it, uh, it cost me time yeah to to travel by by bus or by plane or by car sharing on the other hand um I wrote so much more than I did when I was in Berlin because I met so interesting people everywhere. And uh, I was so more productive uh, and in, in traveling. Yeah? Um, and uh, this can happen for, for different things. I, I mean, I even know a housing company, they do exchange programs for their janitors uh, between Munich and the town in Finland. And um, this can uh, shape the way you think uh, about stuff, yeah? just visiting other places. And uh, Mark is working in Magdeburg, and I'm original from Magdeburg. And um, uh, I wouldn't say Magdeburg was a nice town in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, but to go away to see different things really changed my perspective on my hometown. And now I think so much better about Magdeburg than I did when I was 16. I like what oh. you said that uh, traveling around and like uh, having all, all, every day a new experience made you in the end uh, more productive. And that is actually what uh, happens to me when I, I'm not in uh, working from, from the newsroom, from the office and I work from somewhere else uh, and I always feel like I've done much more work than when I'm here because you get to like interact with people and you know different uh, discussions take you down a re different rabbit hole and like 15 minutes there 10 minutes there and you find out that after like uh, eight hours of working you actually like did like four decent hours of work it's a very individual thing, yeah. So as a uh, as a company, I would offer different options for my employees. Yeah, I would offer space for people that want to sit there from nine to five, that have to concentrate in a quiet environment. But I also would give other employees the freedom to work like they want. Yeah. So not that somebody will write under this podcast, oh, 
they're only talking about this digitally traveling all the time. Now I would say it's um, you, you can't um, tell somebody how they have to do things because everybody's doing it totally different. No, I actually very much agree with what you just said. So it's almost almost philosophical. <laughs> uh, but would you say that it's more like for the uh, creative scene and not so much for? I, I actually don't know how like the exchange program for janitors works. Uh, <laughs> but, but would you say that the concepts that we now start using in the creativity or the creative scene will lead the way to how work will be done in like other other fields of work that are not so creative that are more like i don't know office jobs uh, it um, i mean we know this for hundreds of years uh, to travel change your mind yeah so i'm pretty sure how uh, for example a janitor is doing his uh, or her job won't change so much just because they saw how somebody is doing it in finland yeah But uh, on a personal level, uh, they grew because they, they traveled to another country. They saw something different. They heard a different language. And um, I mean, to, to drive a bus or a train is nearly everywhere the same. Yeah? But still traveling to, to live in different cultures, and even if it's just for a, a limited time, change your point of view and how you think about work. So we, we, you mentioned philosophy. Uh, It's often called the new work movement, yeah, and it it becomes a buzzword right now with a lot of bullshit inside. But if you go back to the origin of of new work, like uh, the the Austrian American philosopher Friedrich Bergmann, who who's the inventor of the new work idea, uh, uh, defined it. It's about uh, self development, um, and this can change how you work. It even can change your work. Yeah? What uh, I mean, this create uh, creative activity classes in the co-working spaces, it's not really the, the workflows that are different or that that uh, brings the difference at the end. It's that they're not in the offices, that they notice they can work from everywhere, that they do things because they love it, not because they earn a lot of money. They don't. Um, most of them don't. But all those things shape their point of view and how they think about life and work and how we work tells a lot about how we think about life our, our values yeah um you you'd uh, call yourself a workaholic yeah so to to be productive to work to do something that makes sense this uh, seems to be really important for you yeah some people like to to relax to see beauty in life uh, they would uh, think about different about work yeah very interesting And again, philosophical. <laughs> I I really like the idea how thinking about work and how we work and where we work uh, comes back to actually how we we lead our lives. So that's a I think a very uh, very good closing argument um, because we unfortunately very close to the end again. I think this, the time always flies when you do these podcasts. But I would uh, would, would like to, to close the circle from the beginning when we talked about print journalism, which is some steps back, uh, and would like to mix it up with what you said, Tobias. You traveled all around Europe. Would you write a printed book about the co-working spaces you visited and your experience? Or wouldn't you write a book, just a blog? 
So I just blocked about it, but uh, this was my personal choice. I mean, crazy thing is, um, if we want to have influence, if we want to have be seen as an expert, at least in Germany, you still have to do a book. Yeah, it's if you do a book, you're important. But this is not because the book as a medium is uh, so important uh, anymore. It's just because how we think about books. So I didn't wrote a book. Uh, I, I blocked about it. And um, I, I still haven't published everything I learned and saw on this travel. On the other hand, it's uh, all these interviews. I, I mean, I tried to interview every co-working manager I met beside my interviews for netspiloten.de with, with founders and developers and uh, interesting people. And um, yeah, but I still use the content in, in different ways. It's like a, a database for me of inspiration. I still look things up. How are they doing stuff in Toulouse? And uh, what was it, what they do in um, in Ghent, in Belgium, different than they do in uh, Stockholm? Um, yeah. But, yeah, books are cool, but <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting next to a really, really big cupboard full of books that I really hate because I love them, but they're heavy. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I think we could uh, we could do a whole episode on on print versus digital journalism, David. Uh, it's uh, it's really interesting. I I think that um, you actually it's actually worthless publishing a book about anything digital because there are some experts publishing books on social media and i think when the print process is over the book is outdated so <laughs> yeah, that's a good point <laughs> yeah uh, so actually yeah. one funny thing that regarding this in uh, i think czech republic there is a magazine a printed magazine for youtubers for young youtubers and and they are doing great and it just blows my mind because I don't understand one, why that is happening. So that kind of... <laughs> your parents tell you, oh, you're only allowed to use the internet until 6 p.m. Yes. But then you yeah. skip the magazine. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Uh, there, are, there are many tech uh, and social media and whatever magazines when you go to a train station and just browse uh, the stores. There are so many magazines. I think I can understand it in Germany because most of the time in Germany in a train you got no internet connection at all, so you have to read on paper. Oh, I, th I thought the Wi-Fi in German trains must be like perfect. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I, I guess I said something funny. <laughs> I just laughing so I don't have to cry. But yeah, <laughs> I like your optimism. No, because our 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 trains have Wi-Fi, but it sucks. But it, you can kind of like use it, but it really sucks. So I thought, if 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 we look to Germany, we can actually like say, oh, maybe one day we will have like Wi-Fi uh, in the trains like in Germany they do. But uh, I guess not. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. This this was really fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, the yeah. whole podcast, not just the, the, the Wi-Fi train beat. <laughs> Thank you it's, for having me. I really enjoyed the talk with you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I, it it really made me think uh, through my like work life travel balance, and uh, I hope also the listeners. Yeah, leave your offices. 
I will do so, but just because I want to have a barbecue and a beer right now, because it's a holiday in Germany and I have to work tomorrow. So, and I want to enjoy the sun. <laughs> I well, hope you too. Definitely go and enjoy. Okay, Tobias, uh, big thanks for coming to the podcast and sharing or your like wonderful knowledge with us. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye bye. <laughs> you too. Bye bye. And, and uh, yeah. yes, uh, yeah. The guys, don't forget to check out our website, which is checkyourfacts.eu, as in European Union. So checkyourfacts.eu. Subscribe to this podcast if you are hearing it on the social networks through the SoundCloud uh, link we are sharing and uh, uh, will be sharing. And uh, yeah, well, don't forget to always check your facts, guys. See you soon. No, not see you. Hear you soon, or whatever. <laughs> Listen. Okay, bye. Listen. Bye, David. See you. See you.